0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Twist the Blue LLC presents Brutal Nation, a podcast dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of crime. I'm your host Scott Alexander across from me is Miss Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: All righty. So today is your lucky day because you get to present.
1: It is my lucky day. And you've been
0: teasing me with this lady. You give me bits and pieces of yeah. her. And before you say the name, I do got to admit, when you showed me her picture, I thought she was going to be making me cookies.
1: You thought so, huh?
0: Yeah. She looks sweet and innocent. So yeah. take her away. What okay. do you got?
1: Well, today's episode is on Dorothea Puente. She's also known as the death house landlady. Um, I have a quote for you. Um, this is from a police clerk who was on the scene when the bodies were discovered.
0: Oh, wow. Somebody who's first person.
1: Yeah, it's a first person. I mean, sometimes we actually get killer the killer's quotes, you know, like we've done for a couple of them in right, last week. Right, right, right. But this one it, it just really hit home with me. I still have the taste of death in my mouth. I can't eat vegetables grown in the ground because they have dirt around them. Like the people dug up on Puente's Yard. And I'm a vegetarian. Jeez. Yeah, that was Christ. said by Joy Underwood. No relation to me. Wow, that's so. that's a
0: hell of an impact on somebody. It is.
1: I mean, yeah, to be that it's like So now that every time she sees vegetables in the ground, that's what she associates them with. That's pretty, pretty powerful. Right. (laughs) She's got
0: a good therapist. Anyway, let's talk about Miss Dorothea.
1: Yeah. Well, I want to clear. I mean, I I have a little aside here. It's just a brief one. Um, Because besides being fascinated with serial killers, I am enthralled with the paranormal. And I was watching an episode of Ghost Adventures some time ago on the Travel Channel. And this particular episode, they featured the paranormal activities that have been happening at this house where all these bodies were found.
0: Ooh, nice.
1: Yeah, exactly. So when you and I discussed doing Brutal Nation, starting Brutal Nation, I was like, I know I'm going to feature this woman <laughs> at some point, and I'm glad I get to do it. Um, So, frankly, you know, she scares me. I know you saw Sweet and Innocent, but I think because I associated her with that original you know, paranormal thing. Well, she has the
0: same look as, like, my grandmother did, you know, uh, on my mom's side. Yeah. Um, I didn't know my dad's side, uh, my grandma from my dad, but my my grandma, Pearlie, looked very sweet and innocent and what happened. And she she really was. Don't get me wrong. No, yeah. My my grandma could, you know, like, knock someone out.
1: See, and my grandma was always very harsh, but I still didn't even... Think my, I mean, I didn't look at her and say, oh, my grandma, because my grandma's harsh. No. I thought, ooh, <laughs> bitch. <No. laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Scary fucker. Um, So a little bit of background on her is she was born uh, Dorothea Helen Gray on January 9th of 1929. So right after the crash, or right around the crash. Right, right, okay? right. Okay. In Redlands, California. And her parents are Trudy May Yates and Jesse James Gray.
0: Jesse James. Yeah, right.
1: Um, she, her
0: up for be more of a western than you, you a would think serial so. killer. But You okay. would think
1: so. Um, but apparently she had a grim childhood. Her mom was said to be a whore. Not my words, by the way.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you gave me that look like that was your words. No. A, did you know you're not you're not older than me. How would you know her mom? No. Do you tell. Her mom
1: was said to be a whore, and the father apparently tried to commit suicide in front of her one time.
0: Holy cow. And, yes, and they were both
1: drama. alcoholics. So you can probably imagine what her life was like. Yeah,
0: I'd imagine not very pleasant. Yeah,
1: no. In 1937, when she was only eight years old, her father died from tuberculosis, which was common back then, especially well, in alcoholics. Right. Well,
0: it's better than, you know, honestly, and I, I I feel bad that her dad died at a young age, but it's better than him killing himself in, in front, front of her. her.
1: Exactly. But then um, her mom died... The following year in a fatal car accident. So she was. So she's eight years old, right? Well, she was eight when her dad died. And
0: then nine when
1: her mom died. died. And so she was sent to live in an orphanage where apparently she was sexually
0: abused. Well, think about the time. We've discussed this with people like, and we, we bring up Carl Penzram a lot. We do. But think of the time. Yeah. You know, around that time, because Penzram was a little bit earlier than that.
1: Right. He he died in 36, I believe.
0: Right. Yeah. So not a lot of government regulation. Not a lot. And things like that. So you got to imagine that orphanages, that's a great hunting ground for anybody who's oh, you know, yeah. a pedophile. There
1: are no background checks, nothing.
0: Yeah. They're like, huh, you want to work here? Go ahead. Okay. Hey, you want to adopt a kid? Here you go. Just just take yeah. this little bastard.
1: Here you go. Have another one. Yeah. So, in 1945, at the age of 16, she married her first husband. His name was Fred McFally,
0: M-C-F-A-U-L-I. At 16? At 16. I didn't even know that was legal. Then. Well, that well was back a, then. Well, maybe. Yeah, yeah I he suppose. was a
1: soldier who just got back from the Pacific Theater during World War II. And she gave birth to two daughters between 1946 and 1948.
0: So, she's still fairly young.
1: Yeah. She sent one of them to live with some relatives in Sacramento, and the other one she placed up for adoption. So when she got pregnant again in 1948, she suffered a miscarriage. Oh, so three—I mean, three births by 1948. Um, so she was 19 years old.
0: Holy yeah. shit! Later
1: that year, her husband, her first husband, left her. Fred left her.
0: Um, so how old she was? Like 19? 19. 19. So she's already got kids by him. She
1: has three. Ki- she was married and had three kids by the age of nineteen and divorced.
0: Holy cow!
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So okay, before we even get into her, here's my thing. So far, everything's been pretty traumatic that I can see. So yeah, her mom, and dad died at an early age. Yes, she goes to an orphanage. Correct. She's molested. She's, yes. You well, know, maybe even harshly raped. Probably. I would imagine. During that time there, I don't think it was like I have to coerce this little no, girl. No, like, it was no. You are going to do
1: it because yeah. I am in charge of
0: you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah,
1: you have no choice.
0: She gets with Fred. She's only nineteen years old. Three pregnancies, two. Yeah, kids. Yeah, she's
1: sixteen when she meets him, and they get married. Right. Yeah. So.
0: And now she's a. Teen, she's only a year older than my son is.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and now she's got these kids.
1: Mm-hmm. Three and, pregnancies. Yeah. And two Fred and
0: Fred's all you know, adios, bitch, nachos. Yeah. And he's out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, then a short time, shortly after the divorce, she was arrested for check forgery and was sentenced to one year in jail where she only served six months. Okay. Yeah. When she got out, she got pregnant again, and this time she barely knew the father. I couldn't even find his name anywhere.
0: first thing that popped in my mind was like mother, like daughter. Right. I, 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 okay. Okay. That 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 is really sexist, but I'm thinking of the time period. Right. Okay. I'm not thinking about now because I'm I'm one of these people. I shouldn't. You know, I got to clarify this, or our listeners are going to be like, "What a sexist piece of crap!" Oh my god, fuck you, Scott. And it's put yourself
1: in 1930s, 1940s. Right.
0: In, in this day and age, honestly, you know. It, it, I don't care if it's a guy or a chick who has sex with multiple partners. That's your own fucking business. Right. But then there was kind of a higher standard of morality. Right. So, very so, much so. So to speak. So to speak. I'm not saying yes. it's immoral because I have to keep backpedaling now, you know, foot and no, mouth disease. No, but he,
1: I understand what you're saying.
0: Right. So. It was a very more conservative time. Right. And it very much Women was. Women
1: had their place. Men, you know.
0: Right. All that other and stuff. And that's what I was going to say. It was, it was very sexist then because, you know, if mm-hmm. a guy was going out and having sex with a bunch of women, it like, that's just guys. But if a woman did it, it yeah, was like, oh high my fives God, you're a whore. Back. Yeah. Yeah. You're a, you're a total slut th- and a whore. Yeah,
1: exactly. But this, this child, she gave up for adoption as well. So she's had three children and one miscarriage. Um, and in 1952, she gets married for a second time. This time to a guy by the name of Axel Johansson. He was a Swede. And they were married for 14 years and had what is reported as a quarrelsome relationship.
0: So a little history on abuse. Um, and I learned this in uh, my psych classes is that it's it's a progressive thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we tend to seek out things that are familiar. Right. You know, so if you're raised in an abusive household, um, you will tend to seek out people who are slightly abusive.
1: Right. Or you'll
0: be an abuser yourself.
1: Right. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you don't think you deserve anything better.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, and I like using myself as the prime bad example of everything because I was raised in an abusive household. Right. And consequently, um, I had abusive tendencies. Right. And it. Let's do a lot of work right a lot of work um in order to correct that behavior
1: right exactly you know,
0: but and, and here's the thing, uh boys and girls is that when when you're when you're acting out things like for me, it was mostly just abusive uh talk, so I would say the most obscene, hurtful things to people,
1: knowing you were hurting them,
0: knowing oh yeah, one hundred percent that's what it, uh, my intent right. was. And at the time, you feel empowered. You feel good about oh, yourself. Yeah. It's called you... building
1: yourself by putting others down. I learned that in treatment.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. But to the flip side, later on, for me, I felt like crap, but I knew it was wrong. Right. I knew it was wrong, but it felt right because it filled the void. Right. So that's just a little thing you guys can think about while we're talking about Dorothea yeah. here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So during the, I mean, while she was married to this guy in the 60s, she was arrested and sentenced to 90 days for owning and running a brothel. Now. <laughs> oh, I was right. Like daughter, like mother. Well, wait, she claimed she wasn't around at that time and she was unaware of the activities taking place in her home. You know, so why should she get in trouble for that? But she was sentenced to 90 days. Only 90 days. Come on, get over it. <laughs> and so she gets out and is arrested and sentenced to another 90 days for vagrancy, which is basically she was begging for money on the street. Oh. Uh-huh. And then this started a criminal career that just escalated over time. Um, she and Axel Johansson got a divorce in 1966. After that, she married a guy by the name of Roberto Puente, who was 19 years younger than she is. She was, and they got married in Mexico City. This marriage only lasted for two years. Um, then she married for a fourth time in 1976 to a violent alcoholic named Pedro Montal- Montalvo, oh, okay. and that marriage only lasted a few months. And when this marriage ended, she began hanging out in local bars where she targeted older men receiving benefits. She started forging their signatures and stealing their money. And she ended up getting caught in charged with 34 counts of fraud but only received probation. Damn. Go big or go home, baby. No shit, yo. Okay. So now we're starting with the murders. The murders begin. Um. She began running a boarding house on F Street in Sacramento, where her re- reputation was quite mixed. On one hand, some tenants accused her of confiscating their mail and their money, and on the other hand, some tenants um, you know, oh lauded I couldn't read my own handwriting <laughs> her acts of <laughs> kindness and her wonderful meals she provided. Police say her murders were motivated by greed, and estimate she was getting approximately five thousand dollars a month from the people what? she was pilfering money from from so her we're t- tenants. And we're talking in
0: the '30s, man. No, this is in the '70s. Oh, even in the '70s, a- man. '80s, I'm sorry, '80s. Okay, even in the '80s or yeah. in the early '90s, man, five thousand bucks a month. Yeah, that's. Even I mean, t- even today, five thousand dollars a month is a lot of money, right? Right, you right. know that's that's I mean cuz ch- my mom
1: was a, a regi- retired as a nurse who had been working for 30 some years and she was making you know taking home right around 5000 a month you know so that's still quite a bit of money and then um yeah so she was getting about $5000 a month off her tenants and the murders began not long after she started renting out the rooms
0: Right? Her
1: (laughs) first tenant was a 16 year old woman by the name of Ruth Monroe, who started renting a room in April of '82. Not long after moving in, Puente called 911 saying that she found Monroe unresponsive in the bed. Authorities determined she died of an overdose of codeine and Tylenol.
0: Um, Hold on. Whoa, whoa. That's possible?
1: I guess so. Well, and
0: here's why I ask here's why I ask because you can
1: take too much codeine, yes.
0: Okay, because um I'm prone to getting migraines. Right. And but you
1: don't take large doses.
0: No, my, my, my former wife used to bring me down uh Tylenol ones right. with codeine in it and they worked amazing. I'm sitting there thinking, I've taken like three or four of those at a time. You know, so it must have been it must have been quite a bit.
1: Yeah, or she could have mixed it with alcohol, you never know. You know. So apparently she told the cops that Monroe had been depressed over her husband, husband being terminally, terminally ill. So the authorities bought the story and ruled the death a suicide.
0: Oh, there you go, man.
1: Yeah. So a few short weeks later, the authorities were back when another tenant, a five four year old guy by the na- name of Malcolm McKenzie, accused her of drugging him so she could steal his money. He didn't kill her. She didn't kill him. Excuse me. I was going
0: to say, I hope that he didn't kill her because that would end this story real yeah, no. quick. And so
1: on August 18th of 1982, she was convicted of three charges of theft and sentenced to five years in prison. While she was in prison, she found a pen pal from Oregon. Dun, 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 dun.
0: Do you know the person? No, I don't. Are you sure? I'm sure. Because you live in Oregon.
1: I don't know him. Uh, first of all, I was only seven.
0: You look suspicious. I'm just saying. (laughs)
1: You could bite my ass. (laughs) No, I was seven. Anyways, so this pen pal relationship with 77-year-old Everson Gilmouth developed into something more. And in 1985, when she was released after only only serving three years, he was there to pick her up. Yeah, and soon they appeared to be making wedding plans. Now, November of that same year, she hires a man to install some wood paneling in this house that she had and paid him an addition, you know, paid him, she paid him by giving him, Um. oh, I read 1980 Ford pickup truck. She told him it belonged to her boyfriend who had moved to L.A. and he no longer needed it. Okay? Okay. No, it could be so, legit. We don't know. Could be. So... She also gave him an additional eight hundred dollars to build a box that measured six feet by three feet by two feet. She said it was going to be for storing books and other items. <laughs>
0: you know, just with those measurements, <laughs> I don't see books in my head. I don't see but books kinda, in my head either. Kind of sounds like a coffin. Yeah, kind of. A little bit like a coffin to me.
1: Well, yeah. Well, pay attention, young man. A few days later, she has this guy come back to her house to help her move the filled box that had been nailed shut (laughs) to, quote, unquote, a storage unit.
0: Kind of like a coffin? Nailed shut like an old-fashioned coffin?
1: Kind of, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. So on the way to this alleged storage unit, while they were on Garden Highway in Sutter County, she told him to pull over. She decided just to dump the box on the riverbank, which had become... Basically, an unofficial household dumping site. People dumped a bunch of their garbage there all the okay, time. Oh, I was
0: going to say, so this isn't out of no. the ordinary for anybody in the community.
1: Yeah, telling him there was only junk in this box. There's just a bunch of junk in it. Just leave it here anyways. And why he take it to the storage unit?
0: He didn't suspect anything. It's a box, and, and it's full of junk, but you nailed the top
1: closed. But if she's giving him money, why would he ask questions?
0: Well, that's true. If, it, if it's like the 80s and somebody's like giving me like 800 bones... Mm-hmm. You know, plus a truck. Eh, Yeah. Maybe I don't ask some of the questions. Yeah.
1: So on January 1st of 1986, a fisherman stumbled upon this box and called the police. When they opened the box, investigators found the decomposed remains of an unidentifiable body. So they couldn't even tell if it was a man.
0: So wait a minute. We haven't mentioned her current fiance slash husband person. And now we have a decomposing body. I think that I just had a blues clues moment. Did you see so it? Did let you see con- a paw print? I'm gonna let you continue, but okay, I, yeah, think let me, let I me found continue. a little paw print. Okay. I put it in my notebook and now I'm sitting in my chair and thinking no, about No,
1: you it. have to have two paw print two more paw prints to sit in your chair. Three of them, remember. Damn it. I know.
0: I'm always short of paw print. Don't worry.
1: It's coming. No, um, I, I so it of, okay, so an unidentified body of an elderly man. Uh-huh. Okay. He wouldn't be identified for another three. Years. Jesus. And this whole time, Puente continued to collect his pension and write letters to his family, letting them know he hadn't been in touch with them because he was ill. Wow. Yeah.
0: So she's covering her bases. But here's, an, here's another thing. Though. The family's not coming out to maybe see him. You know, hey, I know that you're ill and you've been ill for like three years. But could they
1: afford it if they lived in Oregon going down to Sacramento?
0: I don't know what they did at the time. Maybe they rode horses or wagon train, or I don't. Know.
1: I mean, in the eighties, vehicles and everything. Oh, well, that's right. It is the I mean, 80s. hello, dear. <laughs> <It's not laughs> I'm like still stuck the in wild. the thirties in my you still fucking ju- head. Stuck on Jesse James. Back I am head? actually.
0: That's kind so, of where my head was.
1: Yeah, so Dorothy Miller is was a 64 year old tenant who was last seen alive in October of 1987. She was an Army veteran. Now, Puente used her veteran ID card to receive medical treatment on several occasions. So, she's also doing a lot of fraud. Fifty-five. Now, then there was 55-year-old Benjamin Fink, who disappeared in April of 1988. And he was described as an alcoholic. And the last time he was seen alive was when Puente
0: took him upstairs to, quote, unquote, make him feel better. So, wait a minute. Nobody's quite... Cluing in that, like, hey, well, the last time we saw Bob, Bill, Mike, and Jeff alive, there well, were hanging out with it this. It does check. go
1: on, and I'll cover it in a minute. That a lot of the tenants in her boarding house were, they were called the tough cases because they were alcoholics, they were abusive, they were mentally disabled. Gotcha, you know, they, and
0: indigent obviously, yeah,
1: very indigent. Okay, so that was him then. They figured she killed a 78-year-old lady by the name of Lenora, Le- Leona Carpenter in 1987. People had described her as a sick widow who died of a drug overdose, but some witnesses maintained she was far too ill to walk across the room to get the medication she allegedly consumed to have caused her death.
0: And still nobody's catching on to nope, them, not even the anything. cops. Not yet. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Good job, police department. Good job. Well, they
1: haven't even been notified yet, really. Oh, okay. So then there's Alvaro Burt Montoya. He was a 51 year old with intellectual disabilities. Um, He was placed in Puente's home by a social worker who would come by the house on occasion to visit him. And he vanished in 88. And when he did, Puente gave several excuses to his social worker as to his disappearance. One time claiming he actually went to Mexico. Yeah.
0: Sounds like he was a Mexican. Maybe he went down and visited his family.
1: Without (coughs) notifying a social worker?
0: Sure. hello. Why not?
1: Right. So then there was Betty Palmer. And I'm only going through these because (coughs) it's kind of a progression here. (coughs) Betty Palmer was a 78-year-old tenant. And when they recovered her remains, she was buried without her head, hands, or feet.
0: How the hell did they identify her? Because they identify you through either fingerprints or
1: well, bite she impressions, you know, Well, it was in after 87, and she was caught in 88, so it had maybe blood tests. still had tissue enough to...
0: Oh, DNA, I suppose. Could
1: have been. Well, they didn't really have DNA yeah, back then. Yeah, I was going to
0: say. I um, don't know. That's, and
1: so, um, Ben... Let
0: me point out and go, I know her. I know that torso
1: yeah I don't know i I recognized
0: those boobs <laughs> could be yeah could be
1: so and then the next guy was sixty two year old sixty two year old James Gallup now before moving into Pointe's house, he had survived a heart attack and surgery for a brain tumor holy
0: cow, man James, you're a trooper buddy
1: yeah, and let's see, and then the last victim. Found was a 64-year-old woman by the name of, oh, and let me go back to Betty Palmer. Apparently, Puente had made IDs with Betty's information and her photo that she used for very fraudulent purposes.
0: Well, you wouldn't think that she she would use that for (laughs) non-fraudulent. Exactly, but she would. That's kind of an oxymoron there. It
1: was kind of, but, you know, I had to say it because I had it written down. (laughs) Leave (laughs) me alone.
0: Or so redundant. That's what it was. Yeah, it was redundant. redundant right there. Yeah. She makes a fake ID for fraudulent purposes. Well, yeah, as soon as you make it, it's yeah. fraudulent.
1: So this last victim was a 64-year-old lady by the name of Vera Faye Martin. And when investigators found her remains, they theorized she'd been buried alive. What the hell? Because patterns in the dirt around her determined she may have been trying to claw her way out of the shallow grave she was buried in. <laughs> And when they discovered her, the watch on her wrist was still running.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm just like, I'm floored.
0: There goes my sweet, innocent little granny theory.
1: Apparently, between 1982 and 1988, she took in approximately 40 tenants. Social workers loved her because she gladly accepted tenants who were known to be abusive and drug addicts, which were labeled the tough cases. She would take the tenant's mail before they could even see it, giving them moderate allowances before confiscating the rest for what she called expenses.
0: So this kind of is making – it's making sense to me a little bit on this right here, why the social worker with the uh, the the Hispanic dude, hey, he went down to Mexico. may have said, eh, you know what? Good enough. She's taking in everybody who's abusive and drug addicts, people that – Basically, society itself and probably the caseworkers too are going. I don't want Turning to have their to backs deal. On. I yeah. don't want to deal with this person. Right. This person is abusive. This person, you know, has these problems that are right. beyond the scope of what I can deal with. But yet, he's on well, my caseload.
1: We'll see. And this is what gets me: is the whole time she had this boarding house, she had court orders to stay away from elderly individuals because of her fraud charges. And to abstain from handling anybody's government checks.
0: Oh my God! So here she is doing this with a—that's awesome. Yeah,
1: but and get this: parole officers started. I mean, actually called on her residence a minimum of fifteen times in six years. <laughs> saw what she was. What that she was still running a boarding house. Yet no violations were ever documented.
0: Well, the so 80s. they saw
1: what she was doing.
0: Well, think and about it, like, man. Oh well, it's it, it was the eighties, you know. So you're you're figuring that. You know they're they're probably looking at ah I don't need this headache
1: yeah and she's just a grandma anyways so she's a grandma a what's she I gonna do I don't
0: need this shit you yeah. know what tell you what if you promise me you won't rip anybody off or anything yeah, like if that yeah you're it, not
1: stealing from them you're honestly helping them yeah just
0: do your thing you yeah. seem like a nice old lady I mean nowadays I don't think anybody gets away with that stuff because they'd be looking at you dude there's a court order quit fucking up
1: yeah totally so anyways this. This is what, I mean, you kind of hit, you were kind of talking about this a a second ago and I didn't want to give it away, but her eighth victim, Montoya, his social worker actually did report him missing. Oh. Yeah. And so after, especially after she was given several different excuses as to why he wasn't around anymore. Right. um, So the police arrived at the boarding house on November 11th, 1988 to inquire as to his last known whereabouts. While they were there, this is the kicker to me. While they were there, they saw some disturbed soil on the property and asked her about it. She <laughs> actually gave them a shovel so they could check it out. She handed them a shovel. Says, "Here you go, check it out." See
0: I'm, Grandma, I, mm-hmm. Dorothea. You got some balls. I yeah. got. I'm pretty brave, but I gotta admit, yeah. if I was to do that, I wouldn't be. Let me get you a shovel, officer. Go dig right over yeah. there. And well, have at it.
1: This is just it too. That's exactly where they discovered the remains of Lenora Carpenter.
0: (laughs) So she let them dig right where she knew there was a was a body. Wow.
1: Yeah. And the whole time, I mean, you'll find out she maintains her innocence throughout everything. She didn't do it.
0: Dorothea, you got brass balls. Well, I gotta she, tell you that She
1: said she didn't do anything that they all died of natural causes, and she didn't want them. basically, she didn't want them to be indigent and you know, buried in a potter's field. So she just buried them in her backyard. Uh,
0: she sounds a lot like Hello. the excuse that Colin gave, yeah, but kind a of a little, little bit, bit different, but yeah a little
1: bit different, but kind of the same. Yeah, if you
0: haven't caught the Colin one, just
1: it was lot it was just a couple days ago. Yeah, Mondays, go back and listen. Yeah. you'll
0: you'll get the reference.
1: yeah. So, it wasn't long before a crowd of onlookers gathered as the police taped off the area to search the rest of the property. When all was said and done, they removed a total of seven bodies from her backyard. Seven. Jiminy,
0: Chris, oh, I didn't do it. I'm innocent yeah. of this, these bodies. Just, people are burying their dead here all the time. Yeah. Well, no, and get this. Oh, <laughs> my God. When they first started this investigation...
1: You know, found the first body and everything. Right. She wasn't even a suspect. They allowed her to leave the property when she said, hey, can I just go down to the hotel nearby hotel and get some coffee? <laughs> right? So after she went down there and bought the coffee, she fled to L.A.
0: You think? Yeah. Because who's going to go back to the scene and the crime? Okay, got my coffee with a little bit of cream and sugar here, officers. <laughs> yeah. No, please keep digging. Let me bake some, me bake some cookies. I'm going to bake some cookies. You guys want <laughs> a Danish? Yeah, <laughs> because Scott's a fat bastard. And he wants some cookies. Yeah. And uh, we we I know that he's going to be doing a podcast uh, yeah. about me in 2021. So
1: they put a bolo out for her. And there she was. I mean, she went down there, went to a bar and met an elderly man. Who happened to recognize her from the news reports on TV? So he quickly called the authorities.
0: I'm shocked that she was at a bar picking up on anybody. Because where would
1: she get that idea? I
0: mean, that's a, just a shocker right you know,
1: there. You know what? I'm laughing at this because every time I say something else, it's like,
0: "Bitch, you're so dumb." <laughs> I don't and think so, she was dumb. That just that comes down to or just ballsy, ballsy, and pure arrogance.
1: That too, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because she God quickly damn. called.
1: So he quickly called the authorities and the officers apprehended her. And she was brought back to Sacramento where she was questioned and eventually arrested and charged with nine murders.
0: Come on, Grandma. Back up north with you.
1: Yeah. So as the trial begins, her attorneys, um, his name, was, one was Kevin Climo and the other one was Peter The third, It sounds like some very aristocratic people. They motioned the court to, for a change of venue, which was granted. So the trial moved to Monterey County as opposed to Sacramento County. In October of 1992, it began and lasted for about a year.
0: Well, it makes sense. It's a capital crime. And yeah, but
1: the trial itself, I mean, I could understand with pre-trial and everything else, but this is actually jury sit-down, selected, trial.
0: Well, a year. Yeah, there's a lot of information to go over, man. Yeah.
1: Well, apparently the prosecutor, John Mara from the Sacramento County DA's office, called 130, 130 witnesses to testify for the state.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yeah. He provide very, provided very compelling arguments and subsequent testimony claiming Puente, number one, would use sleeping pills to put her tenants to sleep. And once they were unconscious, she'd suffocate them. Then damn. she hired convicts to dig the holes in her backyard for the bodies to be placed in. Okay, the the jury deliberated for over a month, and before returning a guilty verdict on three of the murders, they actually were deadlocked eleven to one for a conviction on all counts, and the lone holdout finally agreed to convict. When on two counts of first-degree murder with special circumstances, and I'm not sure what those were, and one count of second-degree murder. Holy so cow. the next step was the penalty phase to determine her sentencing,
0: right? Right, now, right. Now, the, how, about how old is she at the time? I'm uh, you
1: figure 1988. She was born in 29, so...
0: 60 Six, almost
1: 60 years old. So she's Well, she's, this was 92, so she was over 60.
0: Yeah, so she's up there in age. Yeah. So I can kind of see why they were
1: hesitant. Yeah, yeah.
0: You're you're at what's considered an advanced age. Yeah, quite a bit. <clears throat> and you know, it's it's not like this is a 20, 30 year old, 40 or even a 50 year old. You're into your retirement years. Oh
1: yeah, very much so. Which I think plays into that in the, you know, in her sentencing. Because during the penalty phase of this, that you know, they're trying to determine what her sentence should be. Um, the DA argued for the death penalty, stating, and I'm quoting: "Does anyone become responsible for their for their conduct in this world? These people were human beings. They had a right to live. They did not have a lot of possessions. No houses. No cars. All they had was a social security." checks and their lives she took it all death is the only appropriate penalty
0: and you know i agree with that i would too you know you know
1: and then her other another one of her attorneys gently spoke to the jurors about Puente's (sighs) childhood emphasizing all the horrible aspects which which shaped her he asked them to see the world as she did so after a long and passionate speech about the witnesses who mitigated on her behalf, he urged them to consider a sentence of life without parole. Uh,
0: I, kinda, I probably would have
1: been torn.
0: I'm torn right now because I'm, I'm thinking about that because I had forgotten, because, you know, my memory is shot, um, about what we had just discussed, which, which, which was their childhood. So it, with that said, though, but that
1: doesn't excuse it.
0: Well, we were talking about my past, right? Yeah. And I'm a firm believer of while it's not easy to make changes in your life. It's possible. It's possible. It's not easy, and it wasn't easy for me. Yeah, you gotta, you got to work it. But yeah. She didn't even try to make changes from what, I, from I what I'm say, hearing. At
1: some point, we choose the way. we We can no longer blame our actions on what happened to us in the past.
0: Right. I firmly believe that. No, and I I agree 100%. Yeah.
1: So, because originally I told you she was charged with the nine murders. Correct. And the jury only convicted her on three because they were unable to agree on the remaining six. Okay, so...
0: They were all buried on her property, right? Yeah,
1: but they were unable to agree whether she actually killed them or just buried them.
0: You know, if you're finding three that you can agree that she killed them... Um, it's that old saying, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, probably a duck.
1: You would think so. So then they're in, they've heard all the mitigating arguments and everything, and they're deliberating on the penalty phase. And they're in session for several days and come back deadlocked seven to five for life. So Jeez. seven people wanted life, five people wanted death.
0: I'm kind of on the side of the death, but okay. Yeah.
1: So when they told the judge that further deliberations were not going to help, the judge declared a mistrial. But because it was the penalty phase. was deadlocked. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's a penalty phase, she's still convicted.
0: Right, right, right. So
1: the California law at the time, and I it might still be this way, is she automatically just received life without parole. Then she was sent to Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla. And she spent her time there declaring her innocence until March twenty seventh of two thousand eleven when she died at age eighty-two from natural causes. Which is what she said Fuck. all of her tenants died from. Ironic, huh?
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah. That's fucking
1: amazing. I mean, and I mean, I have a little bit more here that I want to share about something, but um before I get into that, my whole thing is is I kind of wanted your opinion, because I firmly believe that a lot of what she got away with was because she was older.
0: I believe that, too.
1: And people were like, you know, me, I don't think she's really doing that. There, there was or, actually
0: an experiment that was done. And I read I read I read several studies about this. OK. Where it was. And I hate bringing up race and color because that generally. Yeah. not an argument. But it. They showed two groups of people, a black guy, okay, okay, and in one of the photos, uh, the, the, the 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 like the the first group saw him and he's in a suit and a tie. So it was the
1: same. There was the same gentleman in both pictures. It's, yeah, same guy. Just dressed differently. Okay,
0: but he was yeah he was just dressed differently. And uh, in the other picture, I think he was wearing like a, a a jersey and he had a bandana on his head. Okay, and side by side they were comparing him with. A white guy. Okay. And they asked, who's the criminal? And,
1: and they picked the...
0: Nine times out of ten. Even he, in the suit. Even in the suit. They said, it's got to be this dude here, you know? Wow. And definitely when he was dressed in the, in the football jersey, oh, look at him. He's a gang member. That's why They can't be this white guy. And in reality... And it these was. Were, these were two real criminals. It was the white guy. Wow. And it proved because... People are judged, especially nowadays, um, in the eye of the media before they ever get to court. This is true. And I am this a firm is believer true. that that is what has really thrown off the justice system, at least today, mm-hmm. and perhaps then, too. Because they're found guilty in the court of public
1: opinion. Right.
0: And that yeah. influences. Well, you have to do this unbiased as a jury member. You're not unbiased. No. Kiss my ass. You're and not. You, I don't
1: care who you are in a jury unless you've been living under a rock. There's a lot of things. You can't
0: tell me you haven't heard of it. Right. Exactly. Like uh, like the Richard M- Ramirez case. Let's bring it because everybody knows about the yeah, nice or Casey stalker. Anthony. Yeah. Or Casey Anthony. Yeah. That was done in the media before she ever fucking went oh, to yeah. trial.
1: Freaking Nancy Grace had Casey. An- Casey Anthony convicted in, on death row and in the electric chair before she even went to trial.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. So yeah. while there was evidence and proof that she did what she did. She was found
1: not guilty. She was acquitted.
0: Well, oh, that's right. She was, huh?
1: Yeah. She was only found guilty on the fraud charges.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm going to have to reread that one then. Uh,
1: you, yeah, you should watch it. It's pretty good. I, I, I followed it done. like I, it was my religion back then because <laughs> I was like, this bitch is not going to get away with killing that little girl. Um, but you know, I, I also relate it back to um our first episode on Brutal Nation, um, Linda Hazard, the doctor up in Seattle.
0: Oh yeah. And, you know, she
1: was being charged with murder, but the jury convicted her found her guilty of manslaughter. Right. And critics say it was because she was a woman and not a man.
0: Well, you know, I know that when I've been in trouble and I've gone to court, um uh one thing and I think this has been just from the research that I've done myself, and I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, by all means, yeah y'all call me out on it. This is for our listeners. Call me out, that's cool.
1: We're just a, theorizing. A
0: lot of a lot of penalties that are issued and a lot of convictions are based on how you present yourself what as yourself in court. So for example, right. I've seen I, I remember when um when I went to jail last time. And I was only there overnight and I had to see the judge the next day. And we all get let out and uh, we all got to see the judge. And there were several people there that were just a little on the aggressive side to the judge or they weren't well spoken using embronics. Right. And the judge is all, no, we're not releasing you. Or, or we'll release you, but it's a million dollars bail. Right. It, it, it wasn't a million. It was just something ridiculous. Yeah, something and I bet
1: mean, you're going, oh, shit, I'm here. And for that's what I'm doing. I'm sitting time. there
0: ready to shit myself. Right. So we walk up and. Uh, the uh, the DA who's trying to prosecute me um, is sitting there going, we should remand, remand Scott back to jail. He shouldn't be allowed. He's a flight risk and what have not. Well, I'm well-spoken. You are very. And the judge looks down at me and he goes, Mr. Alexander, do you intend on fleeing? I said, no. I've got a job here. I've got a family here. I've got a life here. Um, I'm not going anywhere. And he looked at that DA and went, Sir, quit wasting my time. Mr. Alexander's not a flight risk. I've got his thing right here. You know, he filled it out. Yeah. This is where he's working. This is where he's been living forever. He's not going anywhere. Quit wasting my time. He had the same information on everybody else out there, but because I'm well-spoken.
1: And you were polite.
0: And I was polite. Oh, yeah. Because... Honestly, I saw people being rude to the judge, and if you're rude to a judge, he's the one who's determining if yeah. you're ass. He's to stay got the in fucking
1: jail. gavel, dude.
0: Yeah, he's got the <laughs> gavel, buddy. <laughs> yeah, might might do you well not to be a dick to the judge. Yeah, but he goes, okay, Mister Alexander, you'll be released today. You know, uh, yeah, sometime today. I said, cool. You know, and it was not, but there, and it, we get back to the uh, they call them pods uh, when you're in jail. Oh yeah, I know. Oh, okay, well, a lot of people don't. What the hell is a pod? Well, that, there's just it's just
1: pods. a cell that holds a shit ton of people. Right, that's pretty much <laughs> that's what all it is. is with one toilet.
0: And everybody's looking around, going, "Well, all of our cells had individual toilets. Oh, okay, feeling so pretty good about that." But uh, you know, they're I don't understand why they set my bail at like a half a million dollars, or I don't understand why they didn't give me bail at all. How did you get out of there, Scott? Why are they releasing you and like only two other people? Because I'm not a dick. Yeah, so. That plays into what I, uh, uh, our, our sweet little old lady here, Dorothea. Yeah, kind of. I'm betting,
1: of course, she's well, She's not stupid. No, and if you look at the pictures, and I'll have them all on the website when I post her story. I saw the pictures. She looks like she, she looks. looks like, ve- yeah, in court, she looks so demure and so it, you know, like she's just somebody's grandmother. grandmother. I mean, I should be at home knitting socks and baking cookies, right. and the, yeah.
0: How could you ever say that I was yeah. guilty of anything? I just want to bake cookies and make. The, and make doilies, I didn't and I kill nobody. And I want to get ribbon candy so I can put it in oh a bowl God, that nobody can chip gross. off a damn piece. I'm still stuck on that from childhood. That's what traumatized know, me the most. Exactly right. You, know, you look at that candy I, I want a piece. So I'll get the chisel out. You're going to be spending that some time. And my
1: my grandpa's butter rum lifesavers and Necco wafers. Yeah, yeah
0: she still sell butter rum lifesavers <laughs> they do. in big packs. They I just do. saw that at Walmart. But um, so so yeah, that so you got to imagine you have was it seven people on that jury is buying her bullshit.
1: Oh yeah, They're 7 people at going, were buying it like
0: you know, I don't think she killed all those people. Look at how sweet she yeah, is. She, she looks like my death, grandmother, she, you
1: know, blah blah blah. No.
0: And yet 5 people had jury going, <laughs> "You look sweet." But you're a fucking psycho. Yeah,
1: you're crazy, and you'd kill me if you had the chance. Oh, well, If I yeah. had money and I was sick.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. If you, if you thought you could get away with it, you'd kill me, bury me in the yeah. yard, and get the cops a shovel to dig me up.
1: Yeah, so what I find even more fascinating about this, and you know you know, I'm, you know what I'm going to say after I say this, right? All right. So despite the sporting house, besides its macabre backstory, or perhaps because of it, it was declared a historical landmark.
0: Get the fuck so out! So it
1: could not be destroyed. Okay. <laughs> in 2010, it was purchased for what the owners say cheap, a little over two hundred thousand dollars. A three-story in house, Sacramento, in Sacramento.
0: Dude, you can't even touch a shithole in Sac yeah. for like I think like a half a mil. In, to- in
1: 2010, it was less than two hundred. It was right a little over two hundred thousand dollars. Three-story <laughs> house in Sacramento.
0: Holy okay. Shit.
1: So the new owners tried to renovate it, but quickly realized that no matter what they did, there really wasn't a point in doing that because the public would always think of it as "quote unquote" the murder house. Oh, that's what I was thinking. It's a murder house. Yeah. So the new owners felt, you know, the house. You know, why not take advantage of this?
0: This it capitalize on it, man. Yeah. So there's a lot of ghost centers out there. They
1: have turned it into like a tourist attraction. Now, get road this. trip. <laughs> you knew what I was going to say, didn't you? Hell yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking, I want to go so bad. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, I've been to the Velisca X murder house. Hold on,
0: can we rent rooms there?
1: I don't know. I'll have to look into it. I'll look into it further. That's
0: going to be an interesting supplemental to this yeah, podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, because, you know, there's been talk about doing a paranormal one as well podcast right, right, so, but no i would I would love to go, because you know, I went to the Velisca Axe murder house in Iowa, and I think we're going to cover that thing as well because it was another un- it was an unsolved one right um I don't know if I would stay at that one at night though because be- being there during the day scared the shit out of me. I would do it, would you, yeah, I would do it if you did it because then I'd feel safer because quite frankly, why would they hurt me if they got? big old burly (laughs) you
0: great thanks i appreciate that tam i'll trip you as i run down the stairs what part of axe murder house don't you understand (laughs) hey axe murderer don't get me yeah chop scott up because he's a fat bald bastard yeah and he killed him
1: with the blunt end of the axe too he didn't just chop them up
0: the fuck is wrong with you wanting to sacrifice (laughs) me to that
1: you're mean to me too but anyway, so one of the owners actually has said he's quoted as saying yeah Seven people were buried in the backyard. Yes, this was a house of horrors, but it no longer lingers. We really put our heart and soul in here. People love coming by the house. The whole darkness thing is gone. And, you know, humor is a great healing.
0: That's true. That's why we inject humor into this podcast in particular because everybody else has no sense of humor. And sometimes you just got to laugh.
1: Well, and not just that. Yeah. And I've said before. In order for us to sometimes wrap our mind around the horror, we have to kind of, like, make a joke out of it. Right. You know, otherwise it's, like, too much. Well,
0: it's my coping mechanism yeah, for Yeah, mine everything. too. I can laugh at
1: a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Nervous laughter, you know, whatever. But, yeah, so that's about this house, and I think we need to look into going down to Sacramento. I'm It's that, only uh, just a road trip.
0: Yeah, we can do it in a day. Yeah, it's we eight can hours.
1: drive down there.
0: Hmm. We might have to consider that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yay, me. I have you on record now.
0: <laughs>
1: but, yeah, so that's all about Dorothy. Dorothy Puente.
0: Gee, many Christmas. The pictures, yeah. <clears throat> like I said, she looks like somebody's sweet old grandma. Yeah,
1: you won't believe that. She, if you look at the pictures, you'll look at it thinking she did not do this.
0: Holy cow. And there's books written about her, too, correct?
1: Yes, there are. Um, I don't have that information on me it's on my computer and well
0: we I I mentioned that yeah. because uh we started linking books yeah
1: we will link books and everything um, to on the, it too on the but yeah one of them i think is called the bone garden and then Very i can't remember some of the other ones but yeah
0: damn so boys and girls this has been about uh dorothy puente um uh, check out the uh check out the blog
1: yeah the death house Landlady.
0: yeah uh, click on the books for more information yes we're gonna let you guys go this has yes. been a Twisted Blue production, copyright 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. My name is Scott Alexander, and Tammy Underwood is my co host, and we hope to talk to you guys soon. Make sure that you send us an email at twiz- uh, brutal. Brutal Nation. There you go. Cast at gmail.com or go to our website, www twistedbluellc.com you can get a hold of us there you can read the blogs look at other content there's links to comment
1: everything comment
0: and anything else and maybe we'll read a few of yours uh, in future podcasts yes
1: we appreciate
0: you guys and we'll talk to you guys later bye bye
1: bye bye